When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, AT&T is giving away $25,000 just for telling them what great LG products you want this year. Stop by a participating AT&T store and snap a selfie holding up the LG products you want to get, like the LG V20 with 5.7-inch HD display and direct TV app to watch live TV. Then share your selfie on Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Here's What I Want Sweeps or upload it to Here's What I Want Sweeps.com for a chance to win twenty-five grand. No purchase necessary. Click the banner for rules and a list of participants stores who are the teams that should not have gotten into the tournament this year which teams should you choose to get upset early who are the under the radar players to watch the only question left is say it with me you win Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast and a very special spotlight on the NCAA Tournament and all the inside picks you're going to want to get are right here. Today we have Dan Dickey joining us again, Hoops Nerd on Twitter, that is Hoops underscore Nerd on Twitter and HoopsNerd.com. And Dan is a basketball analyst who specializes in draft models. So he's the man that has all those numbers that matches them all together and creates this really interesting and very accurate uh, forecasting model. So, Dan, thanks for joining us. I hope you have your NCAA tournament bracket ready. Uh, probably as ready as they'll get, I guess. <laughs> well, you still have it's a time. This year, honestly. So. Now, why would you say it's a crapshoot? Is it because there's so many like older players involved and not on these one and dones? Um. There was a there was a ton of parity this year. Uh, the, all the top teams lost a number of times. There was no teams that just completely stood out as just completely dominant. Um, much more so this year than than I remember in recent history at all. I mean, it, it was a, it was a wild. Well, let's talk about um, the teams that perhaps should not have gotten in to start off because it's always a bit of a. Uh, a, a talking point online on Twitter, and people were really upset. Um, what, who are the teams that you feel like um, should not have gotten in at the top of your list? The top of the list would have to be Tulsa. Um, that was actually a complete shock that they got in. Uh, they were, uh, let's, well, I'll give you an example. There's a website called Bracket Matrix. It pretty much compiles all the uh, brackets online. By, by all the known and unknown people, pretty much. And it's all these people that are trying to predict who's going to make the tourney. And normally it's very, it's uh, pretty darn close. When you compile everybody together, they're all pretty close to, to projecting it correctly. Of the 59 brackets they had when the selections were made, not a single one had Tulsa in the tournament. So hmm. somehow all these people that normally do a really good job of, of predicting who's going to be in the tournament, trying to follow the guidelines the committee normally follows, none of them had Tulsa in. Um, it was a shock. Uh, Tulsa, the committee loves RPI, 
um, which to me and to many analysts is very, very flawed. Um, but it causes them to make a lot of selections that are questionable, more or less seedings that are questionable. And Tulsa wasn't even good in RPI. So, wow. and let alone any of the other metrics. I mean, they were, I mean, they're good, but not NCAA tournament good. Not, not really even that close. And so I even joked on Twitter and I was actually, it wasn't, I don't think it's that much of a joke to almost say that Maybe somebody got confused and confused Tulsa's resume with somebody else's because I could not figure out how they could. Wow. And it was one of those things where obviously if you're going to declare some team in and then realize, oh, wait, we just uh, we confused their resume with St. Mary's or something. Well, too late now. We already announced them in. I mean, I couldn't figure it out. It, yeah. I mean, if you look at their overall record, it's 20 and 11. So they, they got to 20 wins and yeah. they were, you know, 12 and 6 in the American Athletic uh, Conference, which is, you know, a mid-major at best. So it, right. it is head-scratching. It, and they got destroyed in the first round of their conference tourney. They, there was a lot of jokes on Twitter because uh, they, that team and that coach didn't think they had a chance to make it. So when they made it, they were shocked. You know, it wasn't like I, I don't think they were sitting around a TV with TV cameras on them because I don't think anybody even expected them to make it. Well, needless to say, it, it sounds like you probably don't, th- don't think they're even going to win in their first round play play in game. Well, you know, what's funny is they're playing Michigan. Um, Michigan is was is one of the teams I was a little bit surprised to get in. <laughs> OK. Um, and the big reason for that is they they, they were OK this year, um, but. They had one star player who was an NBA prospect. Uh, I'll probably mispronounce his name, Karis Levert, or Levert. Um, every reason I mispronounce names all the time because I see thousands of names every day when I'm crunching numbers. Um, but he uh, he was having a very good season. Got hurt as missed most of the seasons out for the season. Now uh, they went nine and nine without him. Um, they're not the same team without that guy. Mm-hmm. And their resume overall was very borderline already. So I was pretty shocked they put them in without him on their team anymore. Um, I thought that was an easy out for the attorney to say, well, they don't even have their star player and they were borderline resume. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise if Tulsa beat Michigan. Um, so, and then from there, I would expect would lose the first round game. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seems to me the Big Ten tends to get uh, favorable, uh, you know, uh, consideration from the committee. So it's yeah. possible. I need to kind of count up and see how many Big Ten teams there are. You know, there's probably half of them are in there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, gosh, off memory, I think Ohio State didn't make it. They were they had a one-game better record, I think, than Michigan in conference. Mm-hmm. Um, their resume, and they probably shouldn't have made it. And so that's why I was a little surprised Michigan made it. Right. I mean, I see five on one side, and uh, you know, in my really quick reading, um, actually, it's interesting. I only see five on the one side, which is they <laughs> they put them all on either the um, in the Midwest or the East. So um, you will see though they're going to have to battle each other, I guess, if they make it out of their first round games. But uh, are there any other teams that you feel like uh, uh, that shouldn't have made it that got into the tournament? Yeah, the, I think the other team would be Temple. I didn't. I was pretty shocked by their. I, I shouldn't say shocked, um, but I didn't think they really should be included. I was actually just noticing bracket matrix now has eighty brackets on it since they updated, and still not a single one had Tulsa in. Um, Forty nine of the brackets had Temple in, um, so almost half of them. But 
Temple just wasn't that strong, and they got a tenth seed, which was they they weren't even a, they're not even a play in game. They're they actually got a little better seed than that. Um, mm-hmm. I would have expected them to be one of the last two or three in with Tulsa and Michigan, like I mentioned. Um, right. But they somehow they, I'm I didn't glance at their RPI because, like I said, I'm not a big RPI guy anyway. But I'm guessing the RPI probably way overvalues them. Well, the interesting thing about that is is that um, they play. Um, in the same conference as SMU, and they, oh, I guess, were are banned from the NCAA. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, SMU is not going to be in. Is not in the tournament, right? So, so that throws the, maybe some things off in some weird way because obviously they had a huge, a very high RPI ranking, finished second in the American Athletic Conference. So you'd imagine they would have been, you know, maybe not well, or at least a tenth seed anyway, right? Oh yeah, SMU would have been a. Well, you know, with the committee and how they seed sometimes, um, SMU probably should have been a sixth seed or so. But who knows with the committee what they would have done. They might have made them way too high at four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's hard to tell. They, I'm trying to think who else got in. Connecticut, yeah, Connecticut uh, and uh, Cincinnati had also got in from that conference. And, you know, uh, you know, I like, get the reason why Temple got in, I think, is because they, they actually ended up winning the conference. I hadn't even realized that looking at the conference. Uh, not the tourney, but the conference regular season. They right. actually went for it. And I think that's how they got in. Their, um, their out-of-conference schedule wasn't – They, I believe they lost every – yeah, they lost every game of any decent team they played, and the five wins they had were against horrible, horrible teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, – so that definitely doesn't help them on any of the metrics. And it looks like then that they probably have not much of a chance against Iowa in that first round in the South. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them much of a chance. But Iowa has not been playing well. Iowa was playing great earlier in the year. Just recently, they're not playing well. So obviously, Temple could upset them. I mean, we're not talking about some fifteen-two seed mm-hmm. situation. So, but I would expect Iowa to win that game. Iowa has kind of has uh, some players that I like and. And I would I would assume they'll pull it together a little more than they've done recently in the Big Ten. Well, let's move let's move over to a couple of teams that you thought didn't make it that absolutely should have, and then were robbed by some of these teams we just mentioned. Um, I would say the one I really felt was a robbery personally, and most almost any uh, metric will would agree would be St. Mary's. Uh, they they play in the same conference with Gonzaga. They're the top. They're the two dominant teams in that conference have been been so for a long while. Um, every metric pretty much likes them uh, for sure to be in the tourney, ex- except for maybe RPI. I don't, like I said, I haven't even bothered to look up RPI. I'm guessing their RPI was probably a little bit worse than all the other metrics, um, or a lot worse, depending. Um, but they were the highest-rated team that didn't make it, according to Ken Pomeroy. Um, they were the highest-rated team by Sagarin that didn't make it. Um and most of the reputable ones would have them probably as the highest or the second highest team that didn't make it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So they, they uh, was there a, a loss or two on their schedule that seemed to stick out or something? They, they, they would explain that, or there's nothing there. No, no. There's uh, they they lost to Pepperdine twice. That Pepperdine is not a great team, but outside of that, they won. They they lost to Cal on the road and they lost to Gonzaga on neutral court, and they lost to BYU on the road. They won all the rest of their games. Uh, they, huh. beat, they beat Gonzaga on the road. They beat BYU at home. They beat um, they beat everybody else. Um, now, people are going to say, well, their, comp- their schedule wasn't that strong 
It, it, yeah, it's not that strong, but they win all those games. Um, the thing that's kind of odd to me that the committee seems to do and has been doing just recently is they seem to ignore some bad losses for teams in lieu of what they consider are good wins. Um, St. Mary's doesn't have – they have one loss that would maybe be considered bad, and that would be Pepperdine at home. Mm-hmm. Um, that was They shouldn't have lost that game. But many of these teams that made the tourney would have, you look at the resume, they'll have three, four, five losses that are not are bad losses. Um, and it's the Pepperdine doesn't have outside of the Gonzaga win, the big win that blows you. Well, actually, they beat Gonzaga twice, but once was at home. Um, you would expect them to win at home. And uh, they're, I mean, they're twenty-seven and five. They're 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 great every they're they're great every year for a mid-major. I mean, they're a very strong mid-major, and they've always been. And they were very strong in that conference again this year. They went 15 and three, so did Gonzaga in that conference. I um, mean, they, they beat each other. You know, Gonzaga's two of their three losses were to St. Mary's, hmm. and uh, Gonzaga won the uh, the conference tourney. So, and but Gonzaga only got an 11th seed. I mean, horrible seeding. So right. obviously, the committee looking at RPI with that conference um, looks at that conference as being they're they're pretty much making them a small conference or. They don't look at. They definitely don't seem to even value practically as a mid-major conference the way they see to Gonzaga and the fact they didn't let St. Mary's into the tourney. Well, St. Mary's, by the way, had a higher RPI, 37th, compared to Gonzaga's 44. Um, well, also, I think Tulsa's like 60. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like I said, I have no clue how they got in. Yeah. So it's really kind of troubling in a way that uh, you know. Every year, there's always interesting, uh, you know, discussions about who they let in or not. But I don't know. Does it feel like there's more this year? Um, the, the the couple that were bad were pretty blatant. But honestly, I got to say, every year there's there's Tulsa's the most blatant I can remember, ever. Um, but every year there's always a couple to me are pretty blatant. Uh, where the, the the committee just let in teams that you're like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you just can't. And the thing is, I'll, I, I, I haven't done it recently, but at times I'll, I'll actually compare schedules from best win down to worst win and compare two teams. And a team that didn't get in will be better in 21 of those, you know, uh, best win down to worst lost, I should say. And then compare the schedules. And if one team is better in almost all situations, yet the other team gets in the, the tourney, it's just, you know, it mm-hmm. dumbfounds me a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the only other team – I thought should get in probably with San Diego State. They won their conference easily and got upset in their conference finals. And uh, their overall resume was good enough to get in as a you know one of the the later seeds. And they didn't they didn't get the nod. But well, besides, I think that that everything else you know it's personal. Who thinks who is better at that point? They're all pretty close. Fair enough. And San Diego State had a 40th ranked RPI uh, ahead of you know a lot of teams like UConn and Wisconsin. Uh, you know, yeah, not a bad RPI. No, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's odd. It, the committee the last few years, I swear, has been getting uh, rougher with the mid majors, uh, giving them really rough seedings and uh, relative to their even their RPI, but relative the other the other metrics at times we'll like some of these mid-majors more because uh, say a Wichita state will blow out a ton of teams. They, yeah. when they play a team, that's not that good, they crush them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these metrics will take that into account. You know, obviously they regress those points somewhat, but they take that into account as quality of the team. You know, if you're able to go and just crush the teams you're supposed to beat, 
and then maybe lose some tough close losses against better teams. That that, that looks better than squeaking by beating mediocre teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to most metrics, RPI doesn't consider that whatsoever. And, we, so. and we've seen mid-majors do extremely well over the last several, several years. And every year we talk about it, and yet every year it doesn't seem like they get the respect they deserve. If, if anything, it's gotten worse the last couple of years with these. I mean, Gonzaga 11, uh, Wichita State in 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that's pretty absurd, honestly. It's, Gonzaga and Wichita State are better than many, many teams ahead of them, mm-hmm. or, or much better. And it sounds like what happens in, in a lot of times when you see the mid-majors upset or do very well is they'll, they'll tend to have older players who played, you know, two, three, four years in college running their teams. And these other teams that are usually have higher seeds, at least in the past, had had more like these one-and-done guys who, you know, when you come down to the tournament, uh, you have to say that, that, trump, that, that the experience will trump athletic ability and talent a lot of the time, wouldn't you say? Oh, I completely agree. Um, that's why the other thing I don't quite understand is, say you don't let a St. Mary's in because they're a mid-major um, and they didn't win their conference tourney, even though they Gonzaga and St. Mary's have the misfortune of having each other to be in their conference tourneys. Um, and, you know, St. Mary's lost five games all year. But then you're, you let in teams that will lose 13 or 14 games, have shown they're really not, they're definitely not better than, than half the teams in their own conferences. Um, why are we necessarily worried about giving them a shot when you have St. Mary's and you're not fully sure how good they are because their, their schedule is not as strong. Um, you know, but at least, you know, you know, you know, you don't know for sure if they're not better than those other teams at that, that other team, you know, they're not better than say five of the other teams in our conference. St. Mary's, Mm -hmm. you don't know. Well, let's St. Mary's in there. And if you're going to compare the two in, in a lot of those cases, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, yes, uh, those those mid majors that win a ton of games have a bunch of upperclassmen that know how to play basketball because they've been playing together for quite a while. It's almost always the case, mm-hmm. and they're always a danger. Um, and, you know, it's much more of a danger than a, a younger team from a from a big from a big conference who's just thrown together some guys that are freshmen and transfer, and they they had an okay season. You know, it's it, it, it's a different vibe. Um, I, I feel like the committee doesn't somehow doesn't quite get that. I'm not sure why. Well, let's move on to the meat of the show here, which is what the possible upsets that we see or that you see uh, that stand out to you. Now, we always know there's there's almost always a 12-5 upset, uh, or I think and I, I think I can take out the word almost. I feel like it's always a 12-5 upset. I don't know if we have haven't had one in a long time. So, um, looking through that bracket, there are four of those type of games. What stands out to you as the the most likely upset? You know, uh, you know what's funny is I actually did not. I, I remember telling you earlier a few of the upsets I thought of, and then I I just messed up my spreadsheet. Now I lost it. Well, okay, I can tell you the Nobody's first one. Hey, tell you what, yeah, tell me which one I told you because I'll take you. A, <laughs> All right, now that I've reordered my spreadsheet. Correctly. All right, this is Inception Two, uh, the the reckoning. <laughs> Um, uh, you told me that the uh, one that stood out for you was Yale over Baylor. And yeah. um, I, I fired up uh, some Yale footage here and went through to see what you were talking about. And, you know, uh, it, it's, they run a lot of interesting stuff. They run pistol action. They do corner pick and roll. Uh, and a lot of dribble pitch, little, a lot of dribble handoff stuff and read and react. So there's two ways that can go because it's a very difficult thing to defend uh, if you're not prepared well enough and you're not ready. And they, they look like they're very well coached and they play like a team very well. Uh, that said, 
you know, under intense pressure uh, of uh, bigger, faster teams, sometimes that read and react can get really out of hand in a, in a hurry. So uh, the question here is, does, does Yale have the, you know, uh, the ability to stay tough and run their stuff like they need to? Yeah. And we, who knows? I mean, it's, it's Yale was, has been good enough this year to be a viable upset pick for sure. Um, they've had a very strong year. Uh, but Baylor's going to have much better athletes than Yale has had to face pretty much all season. Um, but, you know, Baylor's traditionally has been a hit or miss team. They, they always have athletes, or at least in the last number of years. And uh, sometimes they, they, they go into a tournament and play well together, and sometimes they just fizzle out. If uh, there's any fizzle out in this Baylor team, Yale will beat them. Um, but if both teams play up to their, their full potential, Yale should not be able to beat Baylor. Um, but I, of, of the, of the 12 fives for sure, that's the one I could easily see happening more than the others. Um, the, the other 12 fives aren't quite as, they, they don't, they look like they're going to go chalk for the most part, as far as I'm concerned. But Yale is the one team I could definitely see pulling the upset. Okay, well, yeah, I, I, and I see it. I see that they, they look like, you know, just you get a sense that they are just a well-coached team. They look like a well-coached Ivy League team, like the old, like Princeton team. I mean, yeah, they're going to be a bunch of upperclassmen, and they're going to be well-coached, and they're going to be smart kids, I would assume. I mean, uh, they're playing like <laughs> right. so, so they should be coachable. Do you have a oh. sense? Um, they look like they're actually were, like they had a little size uh, on, on you. Know, I'm kind of looking at their roster right now to kind of get a handle. Do you have a, do you know about that? I don't. I actually could not tell you exactly how big they are because I'm rarely am I looking at size when I'm looking at all the numbers. But I could tell you pretty quickly their general size on their team relative to the rest of the nation as soon as I can find their <laughs> fire up that spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually. Uh, you can do some interesting stuff on Ken Pomeroy's. Their uh, their average height um, relative to the nation's 154, so it's about average um, to the rest of the nation. They don't have they don't have big big guys. They have the six eight six seven guys. Um, they have a number of those guys that get playing time, as far as I can see on here. Okay. Uh, Ju- Justin Sears is their star player. Uh, he's six eight, and. Uh, you know, from there they got a few other guys that are six six, six seven, six seven. But yeah, they don't have they don't have any seven footers. They don't have any six ten long guys. Um, they all, the other thing about Yale is, but it's been this way for ten games now. That that one guy uh, was a good player for them. The I think it's the Jack Montague guy. Um, he's not on the team anymore. He's he's the one that had that there was a, some kind of sexual assault allegation or something that he quit the team. Um, but they, they've been winning nonetheless since then. They've only lost one game since he's been gone, so I, it doesn't, doesn't appear that's affected them a whole lot. He was a good three-point shooter, um, mm-hmm. but, but they played well without him. I, you, know, they, you know, they got guys that can shoot, you know, looking at it, and, they, and obviously they've, they've won all the games they needed to win because they beat all the teams they're supposed to beat. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's... That was pretty much how it works. You well, know? well, let's move on to another upset that we think uh, might be happening here. Uh, I think another one that we were uh, we targeted was uh, Gonzaga over Seton Hall, 11 over a 6 seed. Um, but then your, your concern here is that maybe people don't think that's an upset. So what are you? how are you picking this one? Well, yeah, that's 
Vegas might have Gonzaga favored in that game. Um, huh. uh, Gonzaga is a very, very, very strong 11 seed. Um, Seton Hall is is it you know probably a representable or six seeds probably where they should be, and they're playing well right now. They they did win their tourney, their conference tourney. Um, Whitehead, their point guard's playing really well. Uh, Gonzaga, if uh, their guard play isn't great, if their guard play is is decent this game, they'll win this game because they have they you know they have uh, Sabonis in the middle and Wiltshire the who who was possibly going to be one of the very best players, if not the best player in the nation this year, didn't quite play that well this year. He he played very, very well, but not as well as I expected him to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he was playing at the top of the nation level, they, they would be, they'd be higher than 11 seed, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, that guy can – he could put 30 on the board. Yeah. Any, so, um, you know, his ability to shoot from range and – and to do stuff in the post, depending on the matchup. So you know, I, I went through the Gonzaga's footage as well, and it's like you know, as as we know from Mark Few, the head coach, uh, you know, they have terrific spacing and movement. I mean, really, uh, they make the defense work. They're not going to take bad shots. They do a great job attacking on the catch, which is always exciting for me. They're not going to sit there like Wisconsin and catch it and hold it and look around and then maybe pass and then move. You know, they really attack and put a lot of pressure on that defense. Uh, yeah, and Sabonis st- st- stands out immediately. Uh, he's just got a lot of skill, a lot of touchdown there, and you know he's got the, the genes. So um, I-, I would I would be surprised if they don't you know make some noise uh, out of that region uh, and go far because yeah, it's exciting to watch them and that program just seems to be extremely well polished, a lot of experience in the tournament. Uh, and you know, there's no question. Even though it's St. Mary's and them, you know, that, that's a, it's a tough conference, and all those games are tough. And I think they they come out of that battle tested a little bit, uh, ready to go. Yeah, the the biggest problem with Gonzaga this year, and the reason they weren't one of the actual top overall top teams in the nation, is they just didn't have the guard play this year. Um, every year they usually have a guard that that really kind of steps up and, mm-hmm. and takes care of some business, and um, they didn't have that their stars are Sabonis and Welcher and it's it's not even close I mean those are their go-to guys uh, they were hurt also early in the year their other big um end up going out for the season I can't uh yeah Karnowski that's that and uh, that didn't help them mm-hmm. but but Sabonis uh he's a he's so skilled around the basket um he hasn't he has a, he has kind of an old old school style to him the way he the way he can score around the hoop I mean, he's he's not overwhelming. He's not going to overwhelm people with his athleticism. Although he can overstrength guys and, and can overwhelm some guys in college, um, but he just you know he has he's much more skilled around the hoop than you would expect a guy at his age to be. But it's not surprising his dad was was incredibly skilled around the hoop and was considered one of the greatest players of all time. You know, to the to those that saw him play a lot in Russia. So right. that's, a, that's not a big surprise, I guess. Well, well, then we'll have to find out what happens on that one. I think we have one more upset we want to spotlight here. Um, and you were actually targeting a team that doesn't play on the mainland, uh, Hawaii, uh, playing against Cal in a, in a very interesting 4-13 uh, matchup. Uh, you, you want to call Hawaii on this one? You know what? I'll, yeah, I'll call Hawaii on this one. I've watched a ton of Cal this year. I... I'm a I'm a Pac-12 guy. I'm a University of Arizona alum. I watch every minute of Arizona, and I watch 
probably 40% of the other Pac-12 games during the season. Um, and so I've seen a lot of Cal. Now, uh, I think somebody told me Doug Gottlieb has Cal going to the Final Four, and he says they have three lottery picks on that team. That that's not true. <laughs> I mean, it's, they at at the best they have two lottery picks, and that's if everything fell right in line the way uh, they would hope. Um, but one of their lottery picks, uh, Rab is great. Um, that kid is that kid is a very very good college player. Uh, Jalen Brown is great sometimes, is not great other times. Um, he's the one that gets the most publicity. Uh, I'm he I've been told he's still considered a top five pick. Um, but he doesn't, he has not played like a top five pick. Um, he's often uh, trying to do too much. He, he, he commits too many turnovers. He takes bad shots. Um, he tries to dominate with his athleticism, and at times it doesn't work out well. I, against Arizona, their last game, I, I think he had two or three offensive charges when uh, Alonzo Trier was, was covering him because he couldn't go around him, and he just bullied right through him and got called. Um he uh, he should play a lot better than 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 he has in general, especially in terms of efficiency. He, and that team itself on the offensive end can turn into a mess when when he has the ball too much in his hands, or if Wallace is not making good decisions when the ball's in his hands. Um, who's in essence their their athletic point guard. He's um, they they then they don't get their ball to grab enough they can really stagnate quite a bit on offense. Um, I would not be surprised at all to see a, a, a fairly talented mid-major team just kind of shock them. You know, mm -hmm. I could see them going in there thinking they're going to roll over Hawaii. And Hawaii is, is, uh, is definitely good enough to beat them for sure. And I actually, I, I'll, I'll take Hawaii. I don't have a problem with that. I, on my official bracket, I don't have a problem putting Hawaii on it. Um, huh. Because that's, I just, I've never been sold on Cal all year. Now Cal's played Arizona well, you know they beat them. Both both teams won on each other's court, um, but it, I think Cal played up for Arizona. I've seen them play poorly in other games. Yeah. Um, so the, well, the, there was there was one other game I, I kind of wanted to mention uh, the of the uh, three fourteen. I I like. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to do it on my bracket, but Stephen at <laughs> Boston I think is a. They're they're a really good team, uh, much much better than a 14 seed. Okay. And Paul, um, you know, in terms of how well they perform and, and dominate their their opponents, because they dominate the teams that that are supposed to be at their level. Um, they're probably more like a like a nine seed. Um, so they're a dangerous team. Well, one thing I want to say about Hawaii, I went through some of their footage and. Um, I don't know. It looked. It did. I. I'd be surprised. I feel like you know, Cal plays in a tougher conference, and they're you know they're they they have more talent. Uh, and Hawaii just they, they, you know the one thing that stood out to me was they run a lot of horns, uh, which generally gets you good looks. Uh, they're a bit, they're a bit slow in the half court though. It's not a lot of sort of ball movement and cutting, and so you know that's the question: is does that does that play into Cal's hands and they get able to defend it a lot easier? Um, you know, when you aren't the, as, as, you know, um, of a threat as, as other teams, uh, or as a, you know, with more talent. So, so I'm, I'm a little bit, that's the one team I, I might have to say, you know, I, I don't see it there. I feel like that's too big of a disparity, um, just with experience and talent across the board. Well, and that's a, and that is, I mean, that's a four thirteen matchup. Um, 
If you're going to pick a 13, it's going to be an upset. Um, if Hawaii beats Cal, it's an upset for sure. Mm -hmm. um, they're the only 13 that, as far as I can tell, really has any kind of chance. And I think their chance is actually quite a bit better than the others for sure. Okay. Um, um, but, yeah, I, uh, the, I think what might happen and what I'm kind of betting on is that Cal will be their own worst enemy. And they will – Hawaii yeah. will, will, will do enough – to make Cal have to work a little bit on offense and Cal will probably end up doing too much. Well, let's put the ball in Jalen's hands or Wallace's hands and, and have them try to create. And it just stagnates that offense instead of, you know, I, I, I can't even tell what Cal does half the time. offense because it, it never, it often doesn't look organized to me. Right. Um, and they have this guy, Yankovic. They, they I mean, they win, they've won games against good teams. And okay. so obviously if Cal plays, well, it plays anywhere near their talent level, they should, they should beat Hawaii fairly handily, you know, mm -hmm. uh, eight to 18 points. Who knows? Yeah. And well, for what it's worth, you know, uh, the Hawaii is uh, an elite defense. They, you know, they're not, they, their record and their RPI is, is high, but they have demonstrated consistently through the year that they can really, you know, defend and, and make teams, you know, make it difficult for teams to score. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're definitely more of a defensive team than they are offensive team. They're a, they're a top, they're, 41st on, on Pomeroy's for just a defense, which is quite good for a, for a mid-major. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, uh, th those are our breakdowns for upsets. And then we wanted to spotlight a few players that are under the radar that you feel are actually guys who we should be watching uh, and who might, you know, maybe make a splash here and make a more of a national you know, name for themselves. So I think we wanted to start out with a, a guy who plays for Stony Brook named Jamil Warney. So what are you seeing in him that makes you put him on, his, on your list? Uh, now, remember, I'm an analytical guy. So uh, what I see is how his numbers um, appear relative, relative to his opposition and taking into account, you know, the, the quality competition, things like that. It still stands out big time. Um, he's a low post dominant scorer. Uh, he's a good passer rarely turns the ball over for a guy that's a high usage guy. Um, he, he blocks a ton of shots. Uh, he, he just does everything. Um, and it, it, he's been one of the very top mid-major small school guys in my overall college rankings, um, practically all four years, but definitely the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, he just, he's been that dominant of player in his situation. Now, whether or not the, the thing I'm excited about, and the reason why I mentioned him to you is because they're playing Kentucky and I'm real, I'm really excited to see what Kentucky, uh, to see if he can do anything against a, a team that's full of guys that are supposed to be NBA players. Um, will he, will he do a, will he pull off a 24, 14 game, you know, mm -hmm. like he tends to do often. Now one would expect he won't, but he's, Statistically, he stands out so much. He, um, and I honestly, I've only seen him play, I think, two games in his career. So, I, you know, it's, it's Stony Brook is not something that pops up on my screen often. Right. Um, but statistically, he appears to be a guy that's just much more advanced of a player when it comes to his, his ability within the post compared to probably, well, compared to young players in college or compared to other experienced post players who just aren't as skilled as he is in the mid-major level. For sure, and and so I'm just I'm really excited to see what he does against Kentucky. I think Stony Brook could could scare Kentucky if, if Warney plays mm -hmm. dominates. But 
it's going to be hard to dominate. I mean, Kentucky is so long, and they're always so long, and 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 have such low post presence. Well, so. I I went through some footage of him too, just to get a handle on what's going on here. And you know, what we see here is he's got very good hands and good feet. Uh, and I really like how he's, he attacks quickly off the catch in the post, which is great because what the last thing I like to see is a guy catch the ball, six dribbles, backing down, the defense slides over, getting his way. He's very clever on that one to get it and quickly get it up. Um, they're not that clever on offense to get it to him. He kind of just gets his position, and they kind of keep looking, keep looking every time they move it around to try and get it to him. They do have a good command of a high-low action, which if I were Kentucky, I'd be very concerned about that because once that ball goes to the high post – he seals and that's it. He's going to score. I, I, I would be surprised if he didn't do well down there drawing fouls on them. Um, you know, unless he's the kind of guy who gets too hyped up on a big game and they don't have a lot of experience with that kind of stuff that, that gets people out of their minds, but he's an older player. Uh, the only issue I think, I guess I would see from him. He's a bit undersized at about six, eight, and he's a real, real low post player. Just like we, you know, I mentioned to you earlier, he played like an eighties center. He's like, he just, he seals and he posts and he doesn't come out at all and play the perimeter, which is a real throwback. Um, and the one thing I think I had an issue with is the way he runs. He kind of shuffles and his arms move in an interesting way where uh, I think he's holding himself back athletically uh, a little bit. So, uh, But I, I agree. I think he could have an effect and get some of those guys into foul trouble. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised when you tell me that he, he, he gets to the hoop and he, he does it quickly because his turnover rate's so low. That tells you he's not a guy that just gets the ball and dribble, dribble, dribble and gets double teamed and makes mistakes. He gets the ball and he does something with it. He either um, he either scoring or he's dishing it back out. I just you know, and that's that's without not having seen him much. I you can just see that from how his his numbers have compiled through the years. Um, and he's from what I understand, I've been told, and it shows up statistically that he's actually a very good passer. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm sure the he's Kentucky might have a tough time if they try to double down on him because he's probably a guy that will find the open guy. Now, will their length disrupt passing as well as his scoring? You know, it's possible. It's, mm-hmm. it's, Kentucky's going to be longer and faster than, obviously, Stony Brook has had to deal with, um, I think, at all this year. Right. I'm not sure if they played it. I mean, Kentucky's just loaded. So, um, I think Stony Brook played one high-level team early in the year. I could pull them up, but I don't feel like it. Right. <laughs> it, it made me uh, lose lose my concentration. So no worries. Well, I, I agree, and I, I could easily see the game kind of being a typical like you know they, they hang with them in the first half. They cause some problems. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of what Calipari does at Kentucky anyway. So it's not you know it's not out of the realm to imagine that they would that they would that Kentucky get out coached you know by a good coach. And at least for a little while. But then, you know, usually as we get in the second half and that uh, talent starts to, uh, you know, uh, really get in the mix and people get tired, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened. Like, you know, they, they pull away and, uh, every, you know, it's a real, um, you know, moral victory for Stony Brook. They did, they did nicely, but then, you know, they, they, they go away. Now, we, yeah. if you look at a quick uh, at their I, I just pulled up their, um, their uh, schedule. So Stony Brook did play Princeton. They did play Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and you know they lost by uh, you know twenty over twenty points uh, there. They beat Princeton at home. Looks like. Uh, other than that, yeah, I don't see any big names on their schedule. So it's going to be a rude awakening for them. No, uh, no, they did a lot of dominating small schools. I mean, they they did a lot of that um, mm-hmm. with with an occasional close game. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah, it'll be a rude awakening in that obviously they are not going to be familiar at all with facing athletes they're going to face against Kentucky. The 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 thing is though they are a good enough team and they have a star player and ever so often a team will go out there and but but honestly it's not a if you're picking Stony Brook there's a high likelihood you're not going to win that pick. Right, Kentucky right. is almost certainly going to win that game. Well, um, but I, I I wanted I wanted to, to point out. Uh, Warney because he's a senior, he he's deserved to be to be known. Um, he's been he's been a top notch. He's always at the top of my rankings for mid majors and small schools, and every year, mm-hmm. and no one ever ever talks about him. So when you ask, well, you give me a few players to talk about that maybe people aren't as familiar. That's the first guy that comes to mind. Well. I agree. I can't wait to see what happens. And let's go to another player we want to spotlight uh, who plays over at Stephen F. Austin named Thomas Walkup, which is actually a really good name for a basketball player. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I, let me lead off here because I went through his footage and then we could see how your numbers fit with this, with my assertion of it. But uh, here's a guy, you'll, you'll recognize him right away because he's got the full-on beard, lumberjack look. Not like you, Dan, but certainly uh, he's got the beard. Um, and he's a, you know, a stocky 6'4 guard with really good handles. You know, we're, we're seeing now that you know, guards like him back in the day wouldn't have dribbled very well. They would have probably caught and catch and shoot, maybe one dribble for the pull-up. But this guy's got handles and inside-out moves and crossovers. Um, but, and delightfully old school because he has that pull-up mid-range game, uh, which is strange to me that he doesn't take hardly any threes. Uh, the threes that he did t- take, they look really good. His mechanics look fine. I was just really surprised that he didn't somehow uh, was in, wasn't able to find a lot of um, you know cutting back to behind the three point line and getting those shots. Um, and he's got a, it's it's a very quick release, so he can get that shot off against other you know teams that are better and quicker and stronger. Um, and so you know that will have to overcome what what is not a great athlete. He's he's not really fast or he doesn't have great hops. Um, and he's, we'll have to kind of see if he can handle what they have to offer against him. But certainly that's what I'm seeing. Uh, how do your numbers look? Um, I agree with you I, in that I'm actually, I've always, I've always been shocked that he, I thought this year he would turn into a much more proficient three-point shooter. I figured, um, as far as I was concerned, I watched uh, his, he was strong in my ratings last year. And uh, he, he, and, he and Warney were pretty much the top two of the small school guys. And uh, I remember thinking, this guy is skilled enough. And I remember watching him in the tournament, and I loved, I loved how he played in the tournament, just how he looked on the court. He, he always looked like he felt he was the best player on that court. And I don't even remember who they were playing. Um, and they lost. But, man, that guy was, was all over the place. Um, he, he did everything. Um, and so I thought to myself, this guy's going to start shooting some threes, and he's going to try to make himself into a possible NBA prospect, you know, a, a guy that could – try to stick as a, as a combo in the NBA um, because obviously he's he, he was so skilled in so many other areas in the mid-range and the, in the, the handle the ball handling and um, I mean in essence he, he's their point guard he's kind of their power forward he, he's statistically <laughs> he's their everything it's and they're a very good team you know they're they're a team that that crushes uh, lesser teams crushes them um, a lot of these Pretty good teams don't crush these lesser. They beat them, you know, and ever so often they'll get beat. Um, but Stephen F. Austin, but a lot of that I think is their style, and they're playing they're playing West Virginia, and West their styles are going to be so similar. Uh, I, which I think uh, Stephen F. Austin might be the number one team in the nation at forcing turnovers. Yeah, 
Stephen F. Austin is number one team in the nation, forcing turnovers. West Virginia is number two. Somehow the committee, you know, they, they can't seem to understand how to, to use to be, you know, more advanced metrics when it comes to seeding teams, but somehow they figured out to get the two the two press teams that cause a ton of turnovers to play each other. Um, and so that should be a real fun game to watch. Uh, I have a feeling uh, Thomas, this you know, Mr. Walkup here, will uh, – I think he, when things are hectic, he's one of those guys that excels. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys that th- things slow down for him, and he takes advantage of, of the hectic pace while everybody else is freaking out. And that's probably why he statistically he tends to dominate as much as he does. Um, but things are going to be really hectic playing West Virginia. I mean, they're you know that game. Well, that game is going to be a fun game to watch. Isn't was also the other reason why I wanted to mention him because I thought uh, that's a game that people might not realize they might want to watch that game. Um, if they want to watch something that's out of the ordinary, and uh, that one could be, and and that's then, and Stephen F. Austin could upset West Virginia. Probably will not happen, but they are much vi- much more viable upset option than any other three fourteen or obviously two fifteen or mm-hmm. or probably maybe even a bigger upset option than Hawaii Cal or comparable. Well, if you want to catch that game, it's going to be on CBS on Friday. Uh, at uh, in the afternoon or 7, 10 p.m. Eastern time. I'm, I'm in the West Coast. So uh, that will be when you want to catch that. They'll, they're playing in Brooklyn. So no, no, neither of those teams are going to be that, that close to home. So uh, I, I agree. That sounds like, on paper at the very least, a really exciting game. Um, and certainly, yeah, I could see if it gets loose and up and down and there's a lot of space in the round to, to get to attack, uh, you know, you never know. That some weirder things have happened. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be fun. It, the attorneys, uh, and with Twitter, I, I can't like I don't know how some of you guys do it. You probably do it. Um, many other people I follow do it. I won't be tweeting during the tourney because I DVR every game and I try to watch every game. Oh and wow! You can't do that, you know, and still try to talk about games live. So I'm always thirty minutes an hour behind, um, catching up, constantly catching up different games. Um, you know, trying to stop at points where I feel like it's a good stop where I can go back and catch up the rest without losing my... Yeah, right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to be live. I'm going to be out there. Yeah. I'm going to be mining, would be. <laughs> mining the shit out of these games. Excuse my language. So, uh, well, stay... I hope you don't take offense that I'm not retweeting any of your stuff because I probably won't get <laughs> no. at all during that time. And then later on, when it's all done, I'll go on and tweet, tweet a few all right, times. You got it. No problem. Well, let's wrap up with our last spotlight of a player that um, is might, might be under the radar for you, although it's a guy that we've heard about before named Fred Van Vliet and um, I we've seen him play uh, he's a senior I believe right yes and so um, well you know, now you're gonna make you look it up to make sure but yeah yeah I can't believe he would be a senior because it seems like he's played yes four years. he Third. is that point guard that you know <laughs> seems to play for about seven years and you know is already 30 years old um, so what 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 made you wanted to pick him to spotlight I wanted to pick him because one, I thought uh, he he gets a little bit of natural national press, but I don't because he's not considered some NB, real NBA prospect. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing mainly because of his size and mainly because he's not some. He's obviously not a big time scorer. He's a good scorer, um, and uh, maybe not as athletic as some of the other guards, but he isn't. He probably is the best true point guard in the nation. Uh, actually, I, he is the best true point guard in the nation. Um, uh, and he very well is the best point guard in the nation. Uh, 
and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Wichita State got totally jobbed with their seeding. They're playing an in. They're playing a playing game against Vanderbilt. So the good thing about that is that's a that's a real good game to watch because Vanderbilt's a pretty good team too. Um, and Wichita State also got jobbed because Van Bleet was hurt early in the year, missed three games. They lost all three of those games without him because he's. He, I mean, he's that important to them. Mm-hmm. And they have pretty much, in essence, dominated since he's been back. They've lost. I think they lost three games the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, he just. Uh, I I just don't think he's gotten the credit he deserves. Um, and I'm not. I guess I'm not sure why. Uh, I think Ron Baker stole a little bit of his uh, luster because everyone kind of fell in love with Ron Baker a year or two ago. And actually saw, I think they saw Ron Baker as maybe an NBA prospect as a, a combo shooting guard type. Then I'm not sure he's seen as one now um, because I don't think he's improved really all that much. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't tend to, to worry too much about what the scouts say. I just, ever so often I'll bring up players and I, and I, I look up, you know, when I'm curious and find out, oh, wow, the scouts don't think anything of this guy. Um, but when it comes to how well they perform against the competition and performing it against, I'm not sure why. Uh, Fred Van Vliet will be uh, T.J. McConnell if given a shot, um, except he's actually even he's a more efficient scorer and he's a better scorer than T.J. McConnell. You know, that's it's, it's probably a good comparison because, yeah, what I see from him is he's a, he's a really good prototypical you know college point guard and great handle, not ultra quick or not athletic, uh, the biggest issue I had with him is he really doesn't finish well around the rim. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's undersized. Yeah, T.J. McConnell was not good at finishing around the rim and still isn't. Yeah. But he was so good at those other things that right. he stuck with the well, worst team. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the – at least with Van Vliet, he's an elite three-point shooter. He can really shoot the ball off the dribble, on the catch, uh, which is one thing that McConnell still doesn't do that well. Uh, but I, I, I will say that McConnell was a terrific defender, really could defend. Uh, what's, what's the word on Van Vliet's defense? Is he, he's not like that, is he? No. No, uh, the analytics don't, don't show him to be uh, nearly the disruptor uh, T.J. McConnell was, mm-hmm. or in is. Um, and I don't think he is. I, when I've watched him play, he doesn't, he doesn't, be quite, he doesn't seem to be quite as disruptive. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right. He probably will struggle a little bit more than McConnell will on the defensive end because McConnell was so defense-oriented. But Fred Van Vliet's just as good a passer. He's a, he's a, you say he doesn't finish well. Um, he, he finishes better than T.J. McConnell does. He definitely draws a whole lot more fouls than T.J. McConnell ever has. T.J. McConnell's a guy that somehow never draws a foul, mm-hmm. um, no matter how many times he drives. I don't, I don't know how he does it, but he doesn't, he doesn't initiate contact. Um, Van Vliet's just a much better all-around offensive player. Um, now, whether or not he can play to be disruptive enough on defense at six foot um, to stick up for a team in the NBA is the question. I would be surprised if Fred Van Vliet doesn't uh, get run in the NBA over a course of a number of years as one of those guys that's the third point guard often on some team somewhere. Um I think I think that will happen, and that I predicted that with T.J. McConnell last year when, when the draft ended, and at the moment I found out the 76ers picked him up, I said, "Hey, uh, T.J." I, I tweeted, "T.J. McConnell will start over half of the Sixers Sixers games this year," and that was when he was picked up to go play summer league. He was obviously not expected to make the roster, 
Mm-hmm. And of course, he made the roster. And, um, Fred Van Bleed's very much in that kind of mold. Sure. Uh, and I like how McConnell has progressed in the NBA, uh, even though he's gotten, kind of gotten a lot of criticism. But he's he's done what he did in, at Ohio State, which was, you know, get, well, get hey, in the hey, lane. Hey, hey. McConnell yeah. is not Ohio State. You're confusing him with uh, Kraft. Oh, I mean Arizona. Yeah, right. Yeah, Arizona. Yes, <laughs> forgive me. You're right. I couldn't let that go because I'm an Arizona guy. It yeah. seems some people thought I was being biased with McConnell because of Arizona. No, it was... Yeah, no, I, I saw it in Arizona for sure. Forgive me. You're right. Kraft was the guy <laughs> but who... But everyone uh, confuses him with Kraft because he's that... Diving for loose balls, getting everybody under their chin yeah. while they're trying to drive, and yeah, yeah. So, well, we'll have to keep our eye on Fred Van Vliet and Wichita State and everybody else. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and breaking this stuff down. There's a lot of valuable information here, even the things that we didn't completely spotlight. You're going to be able to get some stuff uh, that I think will help you with your bracket for sure. We've got lots of stuff coming up this week to cover on bballbreakdown.com as well. And then, uh, Dan, are you going to be releasing stuff on your website that's you know before the tournament? Oh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll probably do complete national player rankings uh, um, before, uh, obviously before the tournament starts. And then, and then I'll, I'll do things where I separate into just tournament players. I'll make it easier for people to sort and see what they want to see. Um, and when I do my rankings, I do general rankings where I'll, you know, they'll, you'll see Denzel Valentine, number one, and, you know, uh, healed number two all the way down to whoever. But I also break it down into all the little, the little tiny details, you know, the most pro- prolific two point score relative to, relative to pace and strength of, or strength of schedule, things like that, you know, just, just so you can, people can get a feel for who these players are statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously a lot of these players, uh, people might not have ever seen. And so if they want to feel like they kind of have a little vibe on somebody, they can go look at my work. And then when they go watch the game, they'll kind of know who to look for and, and what to expect. I, I, I personally find that more fun that way. Um, and so I'm just trying to help people be able to do that if they want. Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough again. And maybe make sure to check it out at hoopsnerd.com. And you can follow Dan at hoops underscore nerd on Twitter. Uh, so, Dan, thanks for coming on the show. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dan? Uh, I'm always in. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. This holiday season, AT&T is giving away $25,000 just for telling them what great LG products you want this year. Stop by a participating AT&T store and snap a selfie holding up the LG products you want to get, like the LG V20 with 5.7-inch HD display and direct TV app to watch live TV. Then share your selfie on Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Here's What I Want Sweeps or upload it to Here's What I Want Sweeps.com for a chance to win $25,000. No purchase necessary. Click the banner for rules and a list of participants. Participating stores.